Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. So I know it sounds strange, but if we want to become more of what Jesus intended the church to look like, we have to get out of the way. Come on. I, you know, I heard a mmm, and if you were here last week, you, you, were, you, you already know where I'm going with this. If you were here last week, you know, why is it that when churches get together and it's like, mmm, that's good, mmm, sounds like a bunch of grazing cattle, you know? I mean, you should be like, yeah, that's right. We need to get out of the way. We, we, whatever we think sometimes is not even close to what Jesus thinks because his thoughts are not my thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we might have the greatest idea, but it ain't a God idea. And if it's not birthed from God, <laughs> I hate to say it, it might and possibly, more than likely, going to fail. But love never fails. And if we're following him, guess what? It's going to succeed. It might, it might be a, a long-suffering moment. It might be some painful moments, but it never fails because it's changing me. And what I can tell you about this journey for me is, you know, when we planted the church a couple years ago, the, the person that I think it's changed the most, and my wife will testify to it, it's changed us. It's changed me and Sarah. It's changed the way we love people. It's changed the way we feel about people. We don't even look at people and go, mm, we don't do that no more. <laughs> Bless his heart. We don't say those no more. We just say, man, I know. I get it. Let's, let's just love on them. And, and that is the hardest word to do, by the way. Words to live by, right? Love thy neighbor. Some of you got some crazy neighbors. Look at your neighbor. Go ahead and say it. You know, look at your wife. Go ahead. Go ahead. Call that one out. It's Mother's Day, by the way, so you might want to flip the rose just a little bit. Essentially, we have to be fully devoted. We have to be fully devoted, becoming more like Jesus and less like me. And I know that's hard. You know why I know it's hard? It's because we all love us some me. We all love us some me. Whether you want to admit it or not, if we just take a small snapshot and look at the things in our life, they're centered around me. And there's a lot of me in the world, let's just be honest. If we just looked at Facebook or, or an Instagram, and, and for those who are a little bit older, don't know what those things are, um, just ask somebody younger. Just, just go with it. They'll show you on a cell phone real quickly. But it, it's, it's, it's social media apps, and, and there are so many selfies out there. That there's more selfies of you out there probably than there are hairs on my head. <laughs> I'm just being real. We're full of ourselves sometimes. Some of you take pictures like this, like this, and you got the turkey neck going on, so you got to do this. You call, I'm calling the ace the ace here, and it's true, though. You know it's true. You're laughing because it's true. And seriously, everyone in here is guilty of putting our own interests first in the most things we do, right? I can, I can prove this, especially growing up in this local area. In churches, um, if you grew up in church like I did, maybe you even heard prayers like this, and they said stuff like this. I, I remember prayers like this, and this, I, I, you know, I was like, okay, go, thy will what? Be done. And so, thy will be done, God, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. We, thy will be done. But how is it that I never saw it played out? How is it that I never saw it played out? Because someone would always say in a business meeting or somewhere else, in my opinion, 
Or they would say, let's just do it this way because it's best. Or, or this is how we're going to do it because that's how I know it. Or it's the way it always has been what? Done. So you grew up in the same church I did. How does that work? Thy will be done. We're full of ourselves. You know, I thought it was about Yahweh, not my way. I'm just serious. I've said this before. Hey, this ain't Burger King. You can't have it your way. It's true. This is following Jesus. It's serious stuff. It's life or death. And yet some of us still sit quietly and say, it's all about me. I just come. I get my worship on. Here's my heart, Lord. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And all of a sudden, you really ain't giving your heart. You're just singing a tune. And when I found out, you're out of tune. You might be the best singer in the world, but you're out of tune. And that's just the truth, because it's the difference between following him and not. That's between love and not loving. I think if, if we want to take Jesus' teachings seriously and allow them to change what we care about, then we have to put into practice his words. We have to put into practice his words, not just deceive ourselves as the brother of Jesus, James says in 1.22. It says, but what? We've said this before, but do what it says. Come on, say it with me, church. Do what it says. A lot of you have been going to church all your life and you haven't done one thing in it. You know the Ten Commandments, and you can probably flip to John 3.16, but I'm asking you, have you read his words so they can impact you daily? Have you followed them enough so you know them what? Through your heart? I love what that one simple word said before, the words that live by, fill your heart and your body will follow. What a powerful statement. If we could lay out two quick ideas of where we're going with this. One reason why it's better to have we and not me in charge is, is the me model. The me model does something uh, different. It consumes us. It, it allows us to become a consumer. Yeah, the me model says consumerism, right? Consumerism. I go to church because I, I want to do this. Uh, or it's all because of they have a great kids program or they have fabulous worship. I go because I get the chance to do this, because I, I, I get to sit beside that girl that, man, she's looking fine today, right? I, I got to go to the bathroom and get Listerine and put it in my mouth because I don't want my breath to stink, you know, and you're all nervous. And, then, you know, it's one of those moments, right? And the truth of the matter is we're consumer. We've been consuming so much church, we don't even know it now, and this has become the, the new normal. However, the we model, the we model says contribute. We get to serve with others at church today. You know, we get to serve. We are going to impact the world through spiritual conversations today. We're going to continue to change what we care about every single day through our prayers, through our giving, through living life together because we are stronger together. We're forced for good, and when we are one. I, I don't know how you make it through life alone. I don't. I love what Acts 
42 says when they gathered, they gathered and they just studied the word. If you don't know that in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the teachings and to the, and to the prayers of the apostles. And it says they did something. They did something that was crazy. They broke bread together. Meaning, meaning, hey, why don't you come over to my house today? Hey, why don't we just take some hours off and, and just literally not even look at our cell phones and we're going to detox from those and we're just going to get our families together and we're going to do life together. And we're just going to see what happens. We're going we're gonna to make time. We're going to be intentional and study together and just watch what our families, where we go with God versus this is what I want to do. I, I just want to spend a couple minutes at Fazoli's because it's really fast. It's real Italian. You know, just real quick, we can get that one in before we got to go over here real quick. It's more of consumerism than it is a contributor. Because if you're contributing, you're pouring your life into others, just as Jesus did. You see, that's the model I want to be around. The model that Jesus is, that Jesus is model that changed the world. And when he was engaged in his ministry and launching his movement around 30 AD, it literally set a trajectory for you and I today. But somewhere along the way, me got in the way. Me got in the way. That's poor grammar, but man, that's impactful. You see, the Jesus model is so simple. Church made simple. The Jesus model is so simple, but yet so demanding. And the beauty of it is it will change the world. And we should try our best to, to back back into that model. Whatever it takes for our pride to lay down, whatever good idea we think it's not a God idea, we need, to, we need to just surrender it over to him and allow him to change us from the inside out because we're going to follow him first because Jesus commands us to do it as well. And when we get out of the way and it truly is a, one of those moments of less is me, it also makes the gospel more irresistible. I don't know if you heard that one. Maybe you got the spiritual bumpers already up and like, you're tuning me out. But when we get out of the way and we become less and Jesus becomes more, it makes the gospel more irresistible. People will be asking simple questions. Why is he doing that? Why is she doing that? Well, that, that makes no sense to do that with your retirement. It, who does that? Who goes out of the way to, to, to literally love somebody, a Jesus follower? That's why it's so much, that's why it's so important to go in and camp out on the we model and not the me model. You see, that's how the church got traction in the beginning, and that's how we get traction once again by, by, by not going forward, but by going backwards and doing what he commanded us to do. I believe there is one command. This one command is the hardest words to live by. Now, our mothers have already set the tone with some pretty powerful words to live by, right? And they have. They've given us some great insight into life to be better, to, to really learn how to love others and to put it into to, to action. But there are two words, literally, that Jesus says that changes everything. And I think, honestly, if you wish to open up your Bible and just open up and start reading word for word, I believe these two words are the hardest two words and most challenging two words in the entire scriptures. 
They're the most too difficult words to follow simply because it's so, you have to die to yourself. But if we do them, it's, no, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not about me anymore. It, it, it's, it's, it's literally about we as a body, as a church. And these two words, to live by, these words of affirmation, to live by, these words that can change the world, are these two words simply put when Jesus commanded his friends to what? Follow me. Follow me. Some of the most challenging two words in the gospel. When you, just, when you decide to do that, what you're actually saying is, I'm no longer going this direction. I'm going in the pathway of this one. Though it looks dangerous sometimes, I don't understand why I'm in this valley. I don't know why I'm in this dip. I don't, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to literally reach my hand out and hold on tightly. Now, he may drag you through that muck, but he'll get you through it. He never has failed. Because love never fails, right? It never fails. And if if God sent his one and only son because of what? Love. And it's his perfect love that redefines all love. It will never fail. You just got to follow it and watch what happens. In the Gospel of Matthew, found in our Bible in the New Testament. Matthew was one of the Jesus' original 12 disciples that walked with Jesus. He broke bread with Jesus. He watched miracles, and eventually he, he recorded everything down for us to be able to look at today. But the truth about Matthew was he was one of the tax collectors whom Jesus actually saved and, and basically said these two words to. When he called Jesus, uh, when, when, when called by Jesus, Matthew immediately, it says, immediately left his tax collection booth and followed Jesus. And he left behind the source of his riches. He left every position of security and comfort for traveling. He, he left his hardships in front of him. And eventually he, 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 left, uh, he left this life and, and gave up his, his own by following Jesus. He left his old life for a new life with Jesus. And it all started out with this one sentence that our words to live by that, that literally changed his life and can change ours. And that, that, that scripture is found in Matthew 4.20. Matthew 4.20 uh, or 4.19, it says, Jesus, Jesus called out to them. In, in 19, it says this, Jesus uh, called, called out to them, come follow me. And I will show you how to what? Fish for people. Now, that might not be the most enticing thing in the world. Like some of you are like, I don't want to fish. I don't like worms. I, they're icky. They're yucky. They make me stink. Fish stinks. I don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, I'm a vegetarian. You know, some of you are you're already thinking about this. But Jesus is just asking you to just trust me. Hey, just trust me. Follow me. And I promise this is going to be one amazing journey. And I've heard this before as well, because you're just like, I don't like fishing whatsoever. But that's, I'm kind of curious, and I've listened in church. I grew up in church, and I love this church because that's what we do here. And this is sort of, I get it. I love fishing for people. Listen, if you don't want to follow Jesus' command and do it well, then why do you come? I know it's a tough one to bite there. But if, if, if you've heard it before and you're not putting it into application, 
Why do you come? Why are you part of churches if you're not fishing for people? Is it just to get close to the action? Just to be a part of it? Because that's a consumerism model. And what we have found that consumerisms do, consumerism drains the resources. It drains us because we're so focused on us, me, and not what he's commanded us to do. Go make disciples. You see, contributors, contributors help us fulfill the mission of Jesus. And Jesus continues to teach us how to fish for his people daily when we do what it says. It opens our eyes and it draws us into his love for people. And we begin to love on people who we would never, ever, 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 ever love on because it's no longer about me. You'll step across the room and go love on that person. You'll step across the room and say, I'm sorry. You'll reach out and hold your your spouse's hand and say, you know what? It's just not worth it anymore for me to be bitter. I forgive you. Let's move forward together under the umbrella of Christ as a family. Because we are family. You see, I've seen it go south and I've seen it go north. And the one thing that's in common, when it goes south, Jesus is never the center of it. And when it's going the other way, towards the light, you can tell who they follow. You can just see it. And what I've also learned is this. Along the way, when we're fishing, this is fun now. Some are big fish. Others are little fishes. Some got big mouths and some got small mouths. If you're a fisherman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some are darker, some are lighter, and some even look funny. They flop around. They don't even know why. But what I've learned about fishing for people is this. Following Jesus is no longer about what I get to do or how it helps me become or gets me to a place quicker. Following Jesus changes me to care for something greater. Following Jesus... Following Jesus, you're taking notes. Following Jesus makes me center on the you beside the you. So look at your neighbor. Following Jesus is so focused on them, not you. That's the way this works. Following Jesus makes me center on the you beside you. When we do this, it's no longer about me at all. It's about the mission of Jesus and following him in his footsteps. And what happens is this. It's real-life discipleship starts to take place. And if you know anything about real-life discipleship, it's messy. Discipleship is messy. It will cost you everything. It will force you to change what you care about if you truly say, I take up my cross and I follow him. You see, a few years ago, I began to ask these questions and to my wife and to my friends and, and who I trusted. What does it look like? to begin to focus everything on Jesus and Christ alone and simply do what it says and follow him in a way that redefined what we cared about as a family. And what happened, it changed my life and it it redefined how we lived, how we point and how we center everything and we hope to come in our family. What happened was the birth of Centerpoint. Because a core group of people decided to abandon the me model thinking and begin to follow the Jesus model as a group of we. 
A group of people who knew that we needed to stop making churches and start making disciples who multiplied. Who really put spiritual conversations on the forefront and listened and, and, and just was obedient in everything. Now, has it been challenging? Yes. Has it been totally worth it? Absolutely. Because it's changed us. You see, a group of people who, who knew that it was so simple of a model but was going to be so demanding of everything that we had in our personal belongings. It demanded everything. It was going to cost us everything from our time, our talents, and our ties. But it drew us closer together as a family. And when we did that, we found out it changed us more than we were hoping it was going to change others. Just like it changed the first century church. And I believe we all would admit that it was the best decision we have ever made to saying yes to following Jesus because it's changed everything for us. Imagine this. Imagine if every follower of Jesus engaged people instead of just attending a church service. Imagine if every Christian used his or her, her authority on behalf of others. Imagine if every Christian asked, what does love require of me first? What does love require of me first? What would happen? What would happen? I believe it would change the world. I believe it would change the world and change what the church looks like, feels like, loves like, because we would get serious about the mission of Jesus and less about everything else that clouds our vision or impairs our focus. I I do believe we're living in that day and time where it's kind of critical for our country. And I've said it before, but when you... You know, if you go back and look in history and you see a healthy church, you saw a healthy nation. But somewhere along the line, we stopped asking this question, what does love require of me? And we got kind of selfish, trying to build bigger buildings, bigger things, because it was all about not him. Now, they'll put him on top and just say, it's a beacon of hope. And I believe in a lot of great churches around here, and I believe in movements, and I believe in, but somewhere along the line, we've got to surrender everything over and ask the simple question, what does love require of me of today? Because I know if it changed the culture back then, because they had healthy culture and healthy nations, somewhere along the line, you look around, we have an unhealthy nation. The only person I got to point back to is the unhealthy church, because we was more focused on me. We were more focused on what we can get out of it and how we can benefit. And that's not the gospel. It impairs our vision and it impairs our focus on Jesus Christ, our author and perfecter of our faith. That's why in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, fix our eyes on him, him alone. See, back during the first century church, a lot of church people, good people, were asking Jesus questions. They were asking questions. They were trying to trip him up. And what's more important, Jesus? What's more important? The movement towards God. 
and, and, and asking him all kinds of questions about the commandments and everything else. And Jesus was so wise as he answered his questions. And Matthew, meaning he was his disciple, he was following, he was listening. And Matthew records this in Matthew 22. In Matthew 22 and 36, it says this, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Which is the Mosaic Law, Ten Commandments? You might know them. They used to be found in every school, by the way. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Verse 38, it says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And they're all like, oh, well done, well done, well done, Jesus, good job. But then he throws this one in, and we're going to raise the bar a little bit. And second, it's equally as important. Wait a minute, you're saying it's, it's equally important? Like, you're taking it? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm taking it right up here. I'm going all the way up top. I'm saying that it's just as important to put this one into practice as well. So now they're leaning in. So now these people are leaning in. And it says the second one is equally important. And he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love how he finishes strong. I mean, Jesus finishes strong with a lot of things, but he just threw down the, you know, he might drop right here. Here it comes. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. done. Everything. All, what were you saying? All the 636 laws and commandments, are, you know, you're, you're saying all these are, are hinged on these two, Jesus? Yes, I am. You love God and you love others, and I guarantee it, it'll change the way you think. It, it'll change the way we build things. It'll change the way we go do mission. It'll change the way we give. It'll change the way we, we literally love our families, want to be around our families. It'll change everything if you just do these two simple things. But first, got to follow me. Oh, man. I, I just want to be a part of that church. Because I, 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 like, I like it because it does this for me, and it does this for my family. And, and heck, I get, I get two hours alone without my kids. They have an awesome kidsville. They, you know, I don't want to serve. Who cares about I don't want to. Dirty diapers. Come on, I was way past that. That was a long time ago. I, don't, I couldn't handle kids no more. Serving with students and youth, I don't want to listen to all that selfie stuff and Twitter, and I don't even know nothing about it. Taking out the trash and cleaning sinks and commodes, and who wants to clean up all that? I don't do that. Consumerism. Who took the last donut? <laughs> Consumerism. Consumerism will kill the movement that he put in motion because it's more about us. Because you forgot what it really meant to love God and follow him and be obedient and love your neighbor. You see, all these laws, 636, are not there for your benefit. They're not. But when we put them into practice, you will benefit from them. They are, they are there to benefit those around us who we have been called to love on. That's why Jesus is asking us to follow his lead. That's why he's asking us to follow him because he knows what it really looks like to love. Come on. He knows what it looks like because Jesus is simply better at loving than we are. He's the perfecter of it. He's the alpha and omega of it, the beginning and the end. Who else do you know that would lay down their life for yours, a complete stranger? Now, I know my mama would lay down her life for mine. She would. Don't have any doubt about it. 
a complete stranger? She'd be like, eh, I don't know. Just being honest. I love her to death, but, I mean, but she would probably think twice. But then if it was me or my kids, she would bolt out there in front of that Mack truck. She would take it on. And, and I know my mom, she's got Superman power. She'd probably win. <laughs> Come on, guys. Who else do you know is going to lay down everything? Give up everything. Surrender everything because they loved you first. Now, you want to talk about some words to live by? Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are are new to following Jesus, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't hear that one, and I'm out. I, I I can't do it. You don't know my neighbor, Jason. You just do not know them. And I'm like, hey, Bible says love your enemies too, so... Get ready. When you follow him, it's demanding. And others, I love this. You know, for those, you know, you're like new, but here, for those who are seizing Christians, I, I'm coming after you now. Others who have been saying you have been following Jesus for years, but you have never loved God with all your heart because it's so demanding of your time and your talent and your tithe, and you think it's yours? Come on. You want, a, you want a real reason why the, the church is, is stagnant in general, plural? Why churches are collapsing all the way around us everywhere? While they're plateauing or declining? It's because we loved ourselves more. Somewhere we, me, got in the way. It's no longer about we, it's about me. You know, it's messy to follow love. If you ever fell in love with anybody before, you know how messy it is. It's a challenge. It's got its own challenges. And if you mothers out there, just be really real. If you've ever given birth, it's kind of messy. It's a messy process. And sometimes it's what? Painful. But when you hold that precious baby in your arms, you forgot about all the messiness. You forgot about how painful it was. The only thing you can look at is a perfect example of love because love changes everything. And see, and Jesus knew exactly how to get the best of, of consumers, you know, to start to follow because he went after some of the most greedy people in the world and he said, hey, listen, did you follow me? You're going to change. If you, if you just follow me and love God and you go out and love others, if you start to do this, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. And that's why we look around and we see certain hot spots in the, in the world today. You see it and it's because it's changing them because they just decided to follow two words. Follow me. Let's go fishing. And let's go love God and love others. And we're going to change the world together. Now, what we have learned is that he didn't say, you know, change, right? He didn't say change and then follow me. And some of you are like, okay. He just asked you to follow him one step at a time, obedient, obedient step, that first step, and then you will change. You know why? Because this phrase that I've said all morning long and you have not caught on yet, maybe some of you have, it's because this one phrase, this one phrase, words to live by, because love never fails. You see, the Apostle Paul, somebody who was far from God, literally came flooding into the life of of love. 
And when that took place, he wrote some words to live by, and he started writing words like crazy. And when those words started going crazy, he started writing and recording literally hundreds of words that changed the trajectory for millions of people today. And in 1 Corinthians 13, you've heard this passage before, probably at weddings. But 1 Corinthians 13 says this in 4 through 8. And it says love. It describes love in a way. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Put that one down for words to live by. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, and always hopes and always perseveres. Here it comes. Because love never fails. Guys, I just want you to know that there's a heavenly father who's just asking you to do one thing. Follow him and learn what it means to love God in a way that redefines your life and redefines the ones around you. And when we follow Jesus, you will find there is no place to be a consumer ever again. But in all honesty, you have to be a contributor or otherwise you have created your own religion. You're actually following you and not Jesus and making it hard to fish for men because they no longer like the bait that you're throwing. And I would encourage you to throw his bait of love, even though it's challenging, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, because love never fails. Here's the bottom line. The band comes up, starts to sing. If you choose to live by these two words of follow me, it forces us to ask the question of what does love require of you? Because no matter how big the task you think it is, love never fails. No matter how hard it, it may seem, it, it might seem like we, we, we need to go around, we need to go say our, we're sorry to mom today. If you follow Jesus' lead, I promise you that'll be the most easiest conversation you ever had. If you follow yourself, it'll be the most awkward, the most difficult, the most challenging. And some of you need to have those conversations today. Some of you need to sit around the table and just be open and honest and put Jesus at the center of it because he loves you so much and he wants you to be around his table because his table is good. And because we are stronger with Jesus at the head of the table. And when we can do that, we're never going to fail because love never fails. Love never fails. So what does love require of you today? What is it? Mother's Day 2017, what does love require of you today? Jesus, I just want to pray over people. And for some, it's just literally making that first step towards you. What does love require is to step out in faith and say, God, I've been playing this game. I am a consumer and I do not want to be this no more. I want to know what it really means to go all in and be a contributor. To love God with all my heart, everything. No looking back and just trusting you. And for others, Lord, I just pray over their families and their friends, their neighbors, 
Because love actually requires us to step across the room and walk across the road and literally change people's lives and ask the simple question, what does love require of me today? Maybe it's that coworker that you just cannot stand. And they need that love just as much. But for some odd reason, me gets in the way. So God removed the me and allow us to experience what it, what it really means, a, a we moment. A we moment allows us to move in your direction and follow you, and it changes the world one step at a time. And that's exactly what took place when you said yes to the cross. Jesus, that's my prayer for all of us, that we get to experience that this week, today, because, man, you love us. You love us so much. So, God, I'm just asking right now, whatever's going on in people's hearts, whatever's happening in their, their minds, that they, just, they literally ask that one question, what does love require of me today? And allow you to lead the way. In your name, amen. Hey, we're going to sing a song. We're just going to ask God to move. So why don't you stand and join us, and we'll see what happens.